Welcome to the Casual Temple Podcast, and you're listening to episode number 16, and I'm your host, Marilee Duffy. Here at the Casual Temple, we explore our profound connection to the world of spirit, which empowers us to know our true selves. If you're vibing with our mystical and magical content, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. Today's episode, we welcome the wonderful Kimiko Kawabori. Kimiko takes us on a journey into her past, sharing what it was like growing up as an adoptee and navigating life as a sensitive and intuitive child. We'll be dipping our toes into the fascinating world of animism, the cornerstone of Kimiko's journey into becoming an ancestral healer. We discover how Kimiko's specialty working with adoptees helps them to find a place in the intricate and complicated tapestry of ancestral lineage. Stick around as we unravel the wisdom that Kimiko shares with us today. To the casual temple. This week, we welcome Kimiko Kawabori, a practitioner of ancestral medicine and energy worker. With a unique focus on adoptees, Kimiko's personal experience as an adoptee enriches her specialized practice in this field. Thank you, Kimiko, for joining us on the casual temple. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Well, we're just going to kind of jump in. Uh, to kind of get everything started, but can you start uh, by telling us an early spiritual or paranormal experience that kind of shaped who you are today? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so when I was I was younger, I had these like, I don't know, they just looked like big black structures and they followed me, seemed like they were following me everywhere, but they seemed to like be really strong and take bigger form when I was upset or angry or sad or something. And so you know, it just made everything worse because I felt like I was so crazy to see them. Like, what is happening? Uh, and then later on, when I started taking energy work classes, classes on how to manage my energy field, I decided to confront these structures because I hadn't seen them in a while. I was able to just walk them out um, mm-hmm. after childhood. And they told me that they were stone people and that they were from my birth mother's hometown and they were sent there to protect me to look after me to make sure I was okay they apologized they were like yeah sorry it was like we freaked you out but we needed to be there like to right. just make sure we that you were okay and I was like not cool but I didn't know like where to put that I didn't quite have a reference for what that meant until a few years after that I learned that the hometown that my birth mother is from when translated it means bay of the rolling stones so I was like oh my god this is I don't know wow you know and it it was very shocking I still get like kind of like goosebumps chicken skin thinking about it because it was such a wild coincidence yeah well how would you say because that's pretty amazing especially I've noticed, and I'm sure you've experienced this, like it's kind of those things that sort of happen in childhood that they don't really explain themselves until way later. And then you're like, of course, that makes perfect sense. Yep. So how would you say, I mean, it's, you know, it took a while for you to kind of connect these two two things, but how would you say that that experience affected how you see the world um, as an adult? As an adult, it was more of a, oh, that's kind of validating. Like, I was supposed to see that. I wasn't crazy. They were for me to see. Like, that was okay that I was seeing it. So it was like a bit of a salve on the childhood, uh, I just terror that, that I felt. And it was also interesting because I could, it started to open my eyes to understand ways that ancestors can be with someone and that Mm. the ancestors are real that the land is a real a real entity so it was a big yeah I guess it was mostly just validating from big oh wow yeah so that's that's great that it was kind of a comfort at some point instead of a terror (laughs) exactly oh man um did you have any support um growing up with this experience or did you have kind of multiple experiences at all or um and was there anybody in your family or a friend of the family that was helpful in kind of going to for that yeah no I will say no when I was a oh. kid I was yeah. I was raised in a, a Presbyterian church and uh, I okay. at, you know seeing ghosts and spirits and energies they were it was not good it meant 
in the church I was raised in, it meant you were possessed by the devil going to hell. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to talk about this. That's that's not going to be uh, a thing that I'm going to talk about. Mm. But later I, I found a friend and she could see energies and spirits. And it was wild because she could see the same ones I could see. Wow. Like add detail. It was, I, I felt kind of normal for the first time. I was like, oh, this is a thing. This is not just a crazy thing. There's other people. And then she introduced me to a community called Intuitive Mind. And these people are, they're all clairvoyant, clairaudient. They, they are people that are like me and can, are very sensitive to energies and earthbound spirits. And I feel incredibly grateful to this community. And it's, it's led by Nancy, Rebecca, and Yvonne Kilcup. And they teach classes and they're incredible people at helping people like me come to terms with, with the energies around them. And I also think that when I was a kid, the, the culture wasn't very friendly for seeing spirits and ghosts it wasn't there was nothing mainstream about seeing energy so I also think it was a bit of a a symptom of the times too Mm, yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, definitely in today's world it's more acceptable which or accepted which is great Um, still some work to do but you know we're getting there yes exactly (laughs) Uh, and I'm I know because uh, you grew up as an adoptee, I can only imagine that is just like another layer of like, I feel separate. Yeah, <laughs> you know? oh my God. yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't know if the gifts came from anyone. I, I didn't see it around me. And I just thought it was like, wow, this is so, maybe I'm so weird. So thankfully, I found my community now. But back then, it was really difficult. And I, I didn't. I knew I was adopted and I, I didn't you know how people reacted to me being adopted was with a lot of shock and like sorrow and grief. And hmm. I had my own as well. And it wasn't until I started understanding and reading about how adoptees are mentally and psychologically, physiologically impacted by, by being adopted and by being separated from birth family that I started to really understand myself and all of the grief all that 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 adoptees carry from all of the losses and difficulty forming attachments and just generalized anxiety and confusion about identity abandonment issues that I started to think oh okay there this other this is another layer within me and who I am that I need to figure out as well. So that's been a big part of a huge part of my journey, trying to figure out my, my identity as an adoptee. And then of course, as someone who is in contact and connects with other parts of, of, of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And how, um, how have your, so I know you're very empathic and have intuitive abilities, how would you say, so as a two-part question, um, how, looking back, how has that helped you and how has that hindered you in some ways in your life? Yeah. Uh, when I was a child, it was definitely a hindrance. It was not a great thing because uh, it was just very confusing. There was, wasn't anyone to talk to about it, but later on in, in life, especially after I learned how to manage my energy, it became, I'm not going to say a superpower, but it became something, <laughs> something that I learned that I could integrate within, within myself. And I can, once I could learn what is my feeling versus another feeling and how to separate them and how to know what's mine versus what's, what isn't, then that became a really game changer for me in order to understand how I can conduct my life and how I can how I can keep my, my energy strong. And now obviously I've made a business and I have my own business around working with energy and intuition. So it's become an asset to me. I've, I've, I've allowed it to become an asset now. So I, especially so I can help others. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. That was really well explained. Uh, 
So you mentioned that it was Nancy Rebecca is a, a definitely, it sounds like she's kind of a role model for you. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say along your path, I know we're going to get to ancestral medicine and Daniel for, um, but kind of before that, did you have any other guides or books that were very helpful either as an adoptee or as an energy worker that you, you love? Yeah. Uh Definitely intuitive mind, Nancy Rebecca, and then her partner, Yvonne Kilcup. She, I brought her with me to my first two trips here to Hawaii to search out my roots. And she was amazing at helping me ground and all of my things that I was going through because I'm the kind of person that will freeze. And so I just knew that if I didn't bring her, especially her, to help me ground and use all the tools that I learned from 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 them that I would just sit in my hotel room like like freaked out frozen so she was absolutely instrumental in helping me get through a lot of my adoptee adoptee stuff uh and then of course yeah Daniel four and then I had Kumu Ramsey Tom he is my Hawaiian culture teacher and such a patient guy sat with me for hours listening to all my stories and my questions about what it meant for as someone who was born in Hawaii but not raised here and someone who felt so much draw and connection here like what do I do with this how do I manage this how do I think of Hawaiian spirituality with my with my spirituality how do they match how do they meet he's an incredible teacher and was very helpful for me to to become grounded in just any sort of knowledge that was around anything Hawaiian. And I love, love the book, The Dark Side of the Light Chasers by Debbie Ford. Yeah, I growing up, I felt just wrong and bad and just dumb. And like, I just everything, I just couldn't do anything right. And I was just really struggling. And I didn't, I, I was so scared to look at the dark side and do shadow work. I'd heard about shadow work and that scared me so bad. But her book is very gentle in how it takes you into looking at darkness and the concept of darkness and what it means for who you are as a person. So it was very gentle and it helped me really get into those deep, darker, dark parts of myself that I I was so terrified of. And for another book that was very impactful was uh, in in the adoptee world is uh, the the Primal Wound by Nancy Verrier. Uh, she helped me understand. She does a really good job at breaking down the impact of adoption on adoptees and how it impacts your development, how it impacts your brain, all the different ways that that it that it creates things within us that are not like someone who stays with their biological family. It was the first time that I was able to see myself and my behaviors reflected in like a body of science. I'm like, oh, I'm not just like wired this, you know, in a bad way or a weird way. It's like there's actual reasons behind it. That was incredibly helpful for me to to understand that part of myself. And really any book or any documentary written by an adoptee is uh, like gold to me because I can see myself reflected in their journey because so often it's been difficult for me to name how I feel but when I watch these documentaries or read these books then it describes things that 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 give uh experiences names and so that's been just really really helpful um also let's see Astrid Castro of Adoption Mosaic has been incredible. She's really great at lifting up adoptee voices and helping educate about the adoptee experience. And then there's a lot of a lot of TV that I like just because it helped make psychic things mainstream. So like the Psychic Kids TV series, oh my gosh. It's all about these little kids who are psychic and they see energies and they can go into a, you know, an abandoned house and start to help help ghosts or help energies. 
Oh, and it's such a, it's so beautiful because they have coaches and people that help guide them along and, and they really normalize the kids experience. And mm. I just, like, I sobbed through the first one, like, <laughs> oh, beautiful, you know, to have these kids be so helped with mm. such kindness and such validation, like ugh, such a beautiful show. <laughs> and then uh, the ghost whisperer and uh, the Long Island medium, Tyler Henry, people that have helped bring mediumship and are helping normalize uh, ghosts or mm-hmm. felt spirits. Yeah. Wow. I need to see yeah. Psychic Kids, apparently. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. It's a good show. <laughs> yeah. And I have a, had another guest on and he talked about like he was seeing all sorts of strange things from a baby right on but he he developed his own sort of way of kind of communicating with these entities and it worked out for him. But I was like, man, I feel like kids need help, you know, with like that because they're just told, don't, it's not real and exactly. oh, it'll go away. And they're, you're just like, pet- or at least for me, I was like petrified for hours. Yes, <laughs> totally. Yes. Yeah. I relate to that so much. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know we're, we're going to get into talking about ancestral healing and what that means, but um, I know that I was reading a lot of your blog entries and there's a, a large emphasis on animism. So can you help describe what that is for the audience and how it relates to ancestral healing before yeah. we get started? Yeah, the animism to me, how I understand it, it's like that there are all things have life energy so there's life in rocks there's rock people there's tree people and mountain people water people not just human people so it's that everything has life and value and and the way that i see that it relates to ancestral healing is that i see so many so many times that well and healthy ancestors will talk about things in nature and it's usually because these family lines were very connected to these things in nature. So maybe there was a tree or something that was very useful and that was very important to the family line. Uh, and so for a couple of examples from, from my, from my background, my birth mother's father showed up as a star being and said that we were very connected to the stars and that we had a lot of connection to, 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 yeah, to cosmology. And then my birth father's mother's guide she showed up as a diamond and said that one of our blessings is that we can turn into a diamond under pressure but the the burden is that if we don't turn into a diamond then we just crumble under pressure and so very connected to to those to those kinds of elements and one of my favorite questions that I love asking my clients to ask their guides is where do their people source their energy from and it's usually things in nature things like water like maybe a certain body of water or a mountain or a certain type of plant medicine and so I think too that there's kind of this resurgence of ancestral healing and animism. They were very kind of thought of as ancient and ancient practices of thinking of the earth as important and alive. (laughs) Thinking of the ancestors as important. So nowadays there seems to be kind of a resurgence of these two topics becoming normalized again so I think that's how they're related yeah beautifully beautifully explained thank you for connecting those two things um I like the idea of how they are related and especially since the ancestors and in your own experience and in my experience they show you nature and things of nature all the time so (laughs) of course yeah (laughs) yeah that's so great um, so we're just going to move into sort of how you found ancestral, you know, ancestral medicine by Daniel Four. What made you seek it out? Just and then why you became like the whole 
story of like okay. now you're an ancestral healer so yeah. let's hear about it <laughs> okay yeah uh the reason i chose to become an ancestral uh healer is because after many many years of searching for my biological parents it just i just came to realize that i'm not going to be able to have a relationship with them and you know i did find my birth mother but the conversation that i had with her was not great i i knew that it was not going to blossom into anything else hmm. and with my biological father, I wasn't able to necessarily like, like find him. It just was a dead end. And so when I had, I finally just faced it, that I was not going to be able to have these relationships that I wanted to, then I had heard about ancestors through my energy work classes. And I was always incredibly triggered and freaked out about it because I didn't know if my biological ancestors knew I existed and then I didn't know if my adopted ancestors actually thought that I was part of, of their family, their lineage. Wow. So I didn't know how to, how to reconcile that and how to even approach that. Mm-hmm. But then I decided that I would just see, and then I be, that became kind of like my new obsession was wondering and trying to figure out how adoptees fit into the world of the ancestors. And so I did, you know, the, the healing uh, I, I healed one of my lines, which is a requisite before you become a practitioner and got so much out of that, that I, I just, I needed, I needed more. And I've gotten so much out of ancestral healing that I decided that I really wanted to help other people with my similar background, adoptees, or just other people who feel disconnected from their families, uh, re- do the same thing as, as I did and find the goodness and explore their, their ancestors. Yeah. And I know that, um, cause you and I actually worked on a session or some, uh, quite a few sessions working on my ancestral line. And I was telling you in a sort of our pre-chat that, uh, healing that one line has been, was amazing, but man, the integration period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that I'm kind of hesitant to do the other. I I really want, I'm going to be doing the other lines, but I know how much work it is and how like emotionally, mentally, and just like all the challenges. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um. So can, so with that, can you describe the process of how you work with, um, with a client uh, in your ancestral healing sessions? Sure. Yeah. So the client will fill out a form, first of all, just to give me some kind of background on, on who they are, what they want to get out of this work. And then our first meeting, I'll ask more about the, the intake form and, and, and we'll get into a little more about who your people are, where they're from and whatnot. And then in that first session, there's usually time to do two out of the five steps. So the first step is where you do an assessment of your lineage. And we all have four biological uh, lines. So it's your mother's mother and all the mothers before her, your mother's father, all the fathers before him, father's father, all the fathers before him, and your father's mother and all the mothers before her. So I speak in gendered terms, but I don't assume to know any of the gender identities of your ancestors, your people. I just use that as like, a way to keep things organized. And if you're an adoptee or if you have someone that wants to explore any other lines, then we can do an assessment of that as well. And in this assessment, we just quickly check the health and wellness of all the people. And it's not a time to get deep. It's not a time to really explore things. It's just to get a good general quick sense of how everybody's doing. And then with the second step, You'll decide which of the lines that you want to work on. And then you'll go and meet the guide of that line. And the guide is the most recently deceased, well and healthy ancestor that remembers all of the medicine, all of the magic, all of the power of your people and can also help you do all the healing work. So you'll partner with that guide throughout your healing journey and really work with them, develop a really close relationship with them. Uh, and then step three is when you 
when the guide wrapped everybody in a healing cocoon. And this cocoon is a place where all of the focused healing energy goes to help make sure that all of your your well your ancestors are, are well and healthy. And then the fourth step is when everybody gets released out of the cocoon and then they become well and healthy ancestors. And then the step, the fifth step is where all of that goodness and wellness that has been realized in your people get brought to the living and uh, living family members. And then that goodness gets uh, infused into, into to you, the client, and then it goes and it flows out of you into the world. And after that step, there's a lot more things that you can do, especially if you have healed more than two lines, then there's harmonization. So you can take two healthy lines and ask them to harmonize within themselves, amongst themselves, and then bring that harmonization into, into your energy. And I, I love this step because not all of our ancestors have always been at peace with each other. There's been a lot of things that have happened over time. Mm -hmm. And it's safe to maybe assume that not all of our ancestors have always been happy with each other. So it's a really good exercise to bring that collaboration together and then in, into, into your own field. Um, and so experientially, like for the client, what they experience almost is like a guided meditation being being walked through a guided meditation. And as a practitioner, I help you make sure that you hit all of the steps in the process. I help you kind of troubleshoot things. If things get a little bit confusing or stuck, make sure you're grounded. And I try to take verbatim notes uh, on each session that I send to you afterwards. And yeah, that's, that's the process. Yeah, it was funny you were mentioning about, I uh, pulled out that you were mentioning about sort of the two lines not getting together. And it was making me think of my own experience with my mother's mother's line. Who's, uh, uh, she's Filipino. And in one of her lines, you know, and in, in, this was in our, our sessions together, um, the mother's mother's line, like it was coming through that there's like a long line of healers, a long line of like very sensitive women in, in the mother's mother's line. Um, and I haven't even really started officially working with the father's father's line, but like he was coming, one of the ancestors kept coming to me in meditation and he was showing me that he's very much like, like a very warrior like, right. <laughs> so like these two energies of these two, uh, things are kind of, you know, I see them playing out in my own, in me. And then in all the women, like the women in my family of these, this sort of contentiousness of like healer, but also like very hothead. <laughs> so like okay <laughs> interesting yeah, uh, yeah so it's cool because it gives you a little bit of context of like okay there's a story here yeah and it helps one understand that you're part of this bigger picture and so it helps you understand that and then it helps you feel at least for me like empowered like oh yeah that can be done about this yeah right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so um, I did want to sort of connect, you know, you did talk about being an adoptee seeking out ancestral healing. So what is your perspective um, or what can you tell other adoptees if they choose to pursue this as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I just feel so happy and lucky that I get to do this work because this ancestral healing has helped me fill in a lot of adoptee wounds that I tried to throw so many things at and it's just hit differently. I don't know how, uh, the, the example that I can, I can give a couple, I can give like the, I think the two biggest ones, the first is, uh, genetic mirroring. So adoptees don't get genetic mirroring, which means that we don't have people around us that we can see ourselves reflected back at ourselves. Like we don't see someone that has maybe our same uh, gestures or same talk, you know, speech patterns or same facial structures or, or body type or whatever. So mm -hmm. we don't have that genetic mirroring. But with ancestral healing, I got to see it for the first time in my life. And it was 
so unexpected. I did not expect this, but I think that really this is where a lot of the gold can come in for adopting. Because seeing this genetic mirroring made me feel like and sense and just understand that I am part of something bigger. So like that birth mother's father's guide, the star, when I asked the guide what our blessings were and what were some strong points of our of our family, he said that we have a bright, shiny energy. And I and I was like, okay, interesting. And then he started to like download, like help me understand what that felt like, what that meant. And I was like, wait a second. I think I recognize this. Like, I'm like, this is like, I, I recognize this energy. And he was like, yeah, cause you, you, you are part of this energy. And I was like, oh my God. So it was the first time that I'd been able to trace a behavior or something about me in someone else. Like I'd never considered that a bright this bright energy that I sense within myself would come from a line. I'd never been able to say this thing from within me comes from this place. And it was so wild. It was so fun for me to be able to do that for the first time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That feels, again, we use the word validating quite a few times because it's true, right? You feel like, Oh, yeah. Makes sense now. Makes sense exactly. Yeah, that example with the diamond either crumbling mm. or becoming strong like a diamond. I'd never been able to articulate my personality so well. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, that is exactly me!" I never would have been able to come up with those words. No, yeah, it's great too. <laughs> so it was so cool. It's like I have roots that I can I can trace back to, which just is wild mm-hmm. uh, and then for adoptees too we have this abandonment wound where the ancestors don't that doesn't really uh it doesn't really fly in the ancestral world because our well and healthy ones when we connect to them they they don't abandon us they don't leave us and as an adoptee it can be very easy to just think that everybody's abandoned you and that there's no support but I think that we just haven't had the tools in order to figure out how to, how to find the support that's, that's out there. And I think ancestral healing has able, been able to really help me see that that is, that I've always had help, like the story with my stone people and just the fact that my ancestors keep showing up for me and that they're always there and so that's been another big salve on my like adoptee brain to understand that I have people that are that are there that are for me. Um, and then when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to talk to my birth parents, I had so many questions for them that I wanted to, to that I that I wanted to know. So I brought them to my 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 well and healthy ancestors in that council I was talking about, and I was able to get answers and information and it really helped me be able to actually feel like I was talking to some family-ish members that could understand and that that I was I would I had access to someone uh and so I feel like I found a loophole in having access to my biological family because the living they can stop me from talking to them but they can't stop me from talking to the dead so I, I, I like, I like that I have, I'm still able to have access and so I'm really excited to be able to share this with, with adoptees and other people who feel like they can't have, or they don't have access to their family members. Oh yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Um, I like that, uh, that perspective as well. Cause I have, there's just, um, a lot of estrangement that is in my family. So it's hard to kind of in a similar way, it's hard to really kind of get information about your family and also like kind of what's going on. So, and I have found reaching back um, to sort of the, the well and healthy ancestors have been really great. And in Daniel Ford's book, Ancestral Medicine, like, it's so funny. Like I read the book, I thought it was amazing. I'm like, fine, I will do the, I will do the process. Right. And I was like, but every step of the way, I was like, I don't want to do this part though, but I did it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, um, you know, uh, you, you seek out a 
a helper, an ancestral guide, like you, Kimiko. And then it was like, oh, go to a therapist. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go to a therapist, but I did. And then, um, and then it was like, look at your ancestral, like do a little, uh, like ancestral tree, uh, family tree work. And I was like, oh God, I don't want to do that. Uh, but I did it. But man, am I so happy I did though, because even on my dad's side, there's a lot of struggles. <laughs> like, I mean, I know every family, every family has their struggles, but um, it took me like kind of reading sort of old articles of, where I was like, oh, this guy from <laughs> my dad's, like my dad's mom's side of the family. He was fascinating because he came to America from Ireland at seven years old, which I don't even understand how that happens, and got a job at a textile <laughs> A textile company and then so it was like this enterprising child of seven right? like, um but I saw a lot of myself in him because when I was a child I was often just like see you later and like would wander off and kind of just do crazy things <laughs> and you know like three and four and five and my parents I would get in so much trouble but I was like whatever I'm gonna be okay don't worry about it <laughs> just go um yeah yeah so it was just like oh I see sort of a kindred spirit in that right like even though I mean I'm sure his situation was out of a lot of necessity and mine was more out of a lot of fun but I saw a lot of like oh okay this is like a an interesting energy that exists in the family exactly and it came so naturally to you yeah it's like yeah you just knew it it yeah just do it it's fine yeah yeah (laughs) That's so cool. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, Oh, man, you might have to help me pronounce this next question. Um, Can you tell me about the concept of Ho'oponopono? Yep. Yep. Ho'oponopono. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Uh, So I don't know super much. Like, I'm not like an expert about this. But like, what I understand is that it is generally the concept of asking for forgiveness and making right the concept of making right between people or people and I um yeah it's just the concept of asking for forgiveness making right and I like that in this work Daniel has a whole like I think it's a chapter maybe even on the concept of forgiveness in ancestral healing and it's something that we don't necessarily force on people if it, it just if it bubbles up and it comes naturally because forgiveness can be a really difficult tough thing and it can be a very tender thing it can be something that people may be not ready for so whenever it just naturally comes up that's when I start to suggest that Ho'oponopono be be done Daniel has a prayer in his book and then uh, to help people work through any sort of forgiveness and I relate to what you were saying about like not wanting to do things in the ancestral healing process as a practitioner we had to do a forgiveness practice with someone and I was like oh yeah that's not going to be fun I don't want to do it and but I did it with the most difficult ones which were biological family to and uh because I was really mad at them I felt like they abandoned me I felt like they gave up on me I was like you know they just put my life in such a weird horrible course and how could they and so but one thing I recognized in myself as when I when I confronted it was that it was that it it loosened things up I don't know how to describe it I was very like stuck and stubborn in my anger and in my feelings of righteousness and in my feelings of of feeling like I did wrong but I also started to understand that there could have been things that I might have done in a past life that Mm -hmm. I need to forgive for, forgive or ask for forgiveness and apologize Mm -hmm. for. And so when it brought it full circle like that, it helped me understand that this could be very powerful work in, in letting go of that ego of righteousness and seeing a bigger picture of of where of how things could be made right there's so many different opportunities and different layers layers of that oh yeah yeah that was very beautifully explained especially around you mentioned like sort of past lives and how they you know 
how it all relates to your present. And, you know, we all want to think we are wonderful people and in any of our incarnations, but, yeah. you know, we're still here. So, yeah. stuff to learn. Exactly. That's yeah. how I think. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and I know, so uh, I know in your, on your website and the offerings that you do, uh, you have one that is called Energetic Insights. Mm-hmm. Um, can you describe what that looks like and how you help your clients? Yeah. Yeah. So Energetic Insights is helping people see things in a different way. And when people ask for that, for an Energetic Insights reading, usually they're coming with a, they're bringing a issue or a question or something that they're working on and they need help help with and so what that issue or question does is it forms it 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 sits in their energy it forms it it becomes part of their energy and i'm clairvoyant so i can see things and the way that my ancestors communicate to me is in colors and symbols so i'll look at someone's energetic field and I will read the colors and the symbols in their field and I will try to interpret it to the best of my ability, but it's really going to be up to them to figure out what it means for their, their life. Uh, and speaking of past lives, sometimes past lives come up to, to give like metaphors of here is where this rooted what is rooted. Here's where this pattern is rooted or here's why, this feels like you've been working on this for so long and it's not making any movement. And so I'm able to see these things in the field and then you have an option if to, to clear the energy around it or, or something else. So I always give, empower you to make a choice on how you, what you want to do with the symbol um, or the color, if you want it changed or keep it there. Um, and then uh, I joke that since I'm Japanese, my ancestors can't help but give homework. So sometimes, <laughs> like, like homework things come up, yeah. and it's not like you need to do this or you have to do this, but it's like, hey, if you get caught up again on this issue or are or find yourself in the pattern, here's maybe a mantra that you could try to shift your brain, or here is a deity you could focus on. And do research on this deity, find out more about them or a stone that maybe this stone is going to be very helpful for you to help shift yourself out of this pattern. And I've learned that because I used to get readings all the time, all the time, but I would get to a point where I would get the same reading over and over because I was not doing the work that was coming through. I wasn't making any of the shifts. Mm. I learned the hard way that you could do all the energy work in the world, but until you're ready to actually uh, make changes and, and, and get after that healing and get after the change you want, nothing, nothing's going to change. Everything will stay the same. <laughs> wow. I am probably going to steal that explanation. Yeah. It's hard to, Kind of, you know, because you want to be kind, right? When you're working with people, but you're like, but you have to, like, you know, for you to heal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so speaking of that, is there a favorite client story that you would like to share? You know, I don't know if I have a favorite one story, but I will say that overall. I've noticed that when people really dive into the work and they are committed to their healing and they just keep going for it, the more their life changes. And I love hearing about how clients' lives have changed. And I find that in general, it just gives client people like movement and freedom in their, in their life because they can move away from the things that they were stuck on or they can move away away from the from the physical items or physical places that weren't supporting them and they can have freedom in their minds around thinking differently or freedom to think bigger or freedom to think beyond what they thought was true and so those are my favorite client stories are when I hear 
how people's lives have lives have changed because of the healing that they've sought after and of the healing that they've done themselves. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So it's just kind of like an over, over, over and over again. It's like the same thing. And then you're like, oh, I get to hear a really cool story about change. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that change. Uh-huh. It's amazing. I love this. Yeah. I just get so excited for people. It's so, so cool. Yeah. Um, so now we're the kind of last thing, because I, you know, I saw your interview with Nancy, Rebecca, and you had this really cool story about dolphins. And I don't know if you want to share that with us, but it was really cool. Oh, yeah, cool. Yes, I can. <laughs> um, so my adopted father's family, they're from a little fishing village in Japan. And this village was featured in the documentary, The Cove, which is a documentary about Japan's century-old tradition of capturing, slaughtering, selling dolphins and whales. And when I first heard about it and I learned it was from our town, I was like, yay, that's amazing. And then I looked at what it was and I was like, God, this is horrible. Like, this is like, I cannot believe I can't, like, this is where my name comes from. Oh my God. So I wondered like, ancestrally, and karmically, what did that do to our family? What does it do to anyone in our in this line? And what does it do to me? And, and do I have a role in this? Can I do anything about this? And so I started to go to the dolphin and whale energy and I brought I, I mean, I was I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed. I was so like, horrified. And I just asked for apologies or asked for forgiveness. I gave apologies over and over and over. And I did land healings and I did all this work to try to right the wrongs. And after a couple of years, I am going to dolphins with the same energy. They were like, yes, you know, thank you. Um, yes, thank you. Uh, you, by the way, you're not the only family or person who has been uh, mistreating us. There's mm-hmm. other families, there's other countries, there's other bigger systems out there that are part of our uh, keeping us down and our slaughter and our sale. Like you're not the only ones, but mm-hmm. thank you. So then I came back again with the same, like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And they're like, yes, yes, we know. And then they said, so what other kind of healing are you doing? What else have you been up to? How have you been? And and it just caught me off guard. Like, oh, <laughs> I guess, yeah, we could talk about something else, I guess. <laughs> like, oh, right. there. Yeah, we could have a different conversation, I guess. Uh, and so this story has become one of my favorite healing journeys because I, I learned that no matter how horrible, terrible I feel about something, like it just doesn't help to stay in stay feeling that horrible way to Mm. keep like beating myself up for something that my people did and what I learned from the dolphins is that relationships can change and and I was not allowing for any growth and change I didn't assume but you know going to something for two years with the same energy it's not going to change it's not it's not going to so I we have a different relationship now when I see them in the waters, it's like this happy reunion. I used to like cry and like hide from them. Like, Oh my God, don't see me. Right. Cause I was I felt so guilty, but now I'm like, Oh my gosh, hi, how's it going? And I, you know, it's a lot of like happiness and joy and just appreciation for the work we did together. And this healing work doesn't change our family's history together, mm. but it can, but it's just really really juicy to know a relationship like that can change and that we can as people can allow for that change in evolution yeah Yeah. that's so great yeah because basically you were just like you know yeah you were you were there you wanted to make the apologies but they were like thank you yes yeah (laughs) but we can move on (laughs) yeah that's so funny yes yes, i know so unexpected (laughs) But you kind of think like dolphins would kind of have like a good sense of humor, right? right. Like, they would kind of... <laughs> totally. 
Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So thank you for all your like wonderful stories and explaining ancestral medicine and your perspective as an adoptee. It's been so great. Um, can you tell us about some upcoming projects or events that you would like the audience to know more about? Yeah, I don't have anything that's like in form yet, but I mm. will say that I have been working with an adoptive mother and also a ancestral healer. Uh, her name's Carrie, Kari, Kari Brady Grossman, and she and I have some projects coming up, but nothing, nothing yet. But I'm just so excited for us to bring this work in uh, to talk about how ancestral healing can help adoptive families. So I'm just so excited for my collaboration with her. That's so fun. And then you have other people to kind of work with. That's really exactly. cool. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. All right. So where can people find out more about you and the work that you do and all that yeah. great stuff? Yeah, my website, Origins Within, and I'm on Instagram, Facebook at Origins Within as well. Very cool. Uh, and what words of wisdom would you like to leave us with today beyond the what you've already shared? But. <laughs> uh, I guess that we're, we're not alone and we are literally made up of our ancestors. We carry their DNA and blood bones made of their, made up of our ancestors. We literally carry the land that we first ate from wherever we're from we literally carry that land that land helped grow us and nurture us and and we, we grew from that land we literally carry all of the 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 support and the love of the people that that raised us whether they were biological or or adopted or or other and we have uh so much support around us from from the animistic world the rocks rivers and trees so I think especially for adoptees, we can feel so alone and misunderstood, but we're just we're really not. We just never, a lot of us never had the tools to figure out how to access that and how to, how to, how to learn about that and connect with it. Beautifully said. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Kimiko, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. So happy and honored to have Kimiko Kawabori on the show today. For more information, do check out the show notes to learn more about how she can help you with your own ancestral healing. Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us get the message out there. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Casual Temple. 